Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Hallelujah. Turn your Bibles, Psalm chapter 16. I want to read from verse 8 to 11, and there's a type of reading called responsive reading, meaning I will read verse 8, and you, re- you would read verse 9, and we just go on like that. Verse 8, I have set the Lord always before me. He is at my right hand, and I shall not be moved. Verse 9 together, everybody want to go. Verse 10, for you will not leave my soul in Sheol. Nor will you suffer your Holy One to see corruption. Everybody, verse 11, want to go. You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, pleasures forevermore. I want to start in a very casual, simple, hilarious way. I remember in secondary school, And we have an international audience, so I will add, let me just say for description, high school. That we're supposed to have our annual sporting competition. And of all sports that I could participate in, my my mates were doing sprints, we're doing marathon, we're doing high, long jump, high jump. I chose March past. And the match passed was getting competitive because, you see, the person who was in charge saw what all the... No shade, I'm just telling you what happened. So they carried me up. I stood on someone's shoulder. (laughs) Are you ready? They said yes. And I just went like this. As I was close to the ground, all of them did... (laughs) And ran away. (laughs) and so I hit my head on the floor now I say that to say this it takes a lot of nerve to fall freely trusting that anyone will catch you don't blame me if I will never do such a thing again in my life don't blame me I've been there once I've tried it once (laughs) let someone else do it and I forgive that guy for saying he won't do it. It's like he knew. And he should have just said it. But he didn't. But now, I wonder what Jesus felt. Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter the technology or how assured the people who come up with this grandiose idea are. It takes a lot to come to the earth knowing you will die. And the plan is, don't worry. After three days, we will raise you up. One question, sir. Has it ever happened before? No, but don't worry. You will be the first. (laughs) No wonder God had to become flesh and do it by himself. I don't know who else would have agreed to that plan. Even Abraham would say no. And when you're reading this, this is a messianic psalm, meaning prophetically, God intimated by the prophet what Christ was going to do. So what you just read is actually about Jesus. 
See what he says. He says, I will keep always my eyes on the Lord. He is at my right hand. Therefore, in modern day language, no shaking. I will not be moved. Now, it's easy to quote this in a service. He's saying this going to the grave. He's at my right hand. Therefore, I will not be moved. My eyes are on the Lord. Therefore, my heart will be glad. And my tongue will rejoice. He says, my body will rest in hope. What kind of assurance is this? I'm going to the cross knowing that without fail, three days after, I'm back. He says, my body will rest in hope. Oh my God, what is going on here? And the only assurance he had was that God, the Father, said so. And he literally went to the grave believing it. In the volumes of the book, it is written of me. Lo, I come to do your will, O God. You know, you quote it. You quote it when you are going to evangelize. Or when you are going to obey something small. It's a different thing when you know the will is to die. Lo, I come to do your will, O God. The Bible says he was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. What? Therefore, my heart will be glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh will also rest in hope because you will not abandon me in the realm of the dead, nor will you suffer your Holy One to see decay. You will show me the path of life, meaning you're going to raise me up to eternal life. This is a thousand sermons. It's just like, Lord, you did that. Thank you. Thank you, sir. And he did it. You know, the proof of assurance is joy. Like he's going to the cross and he's consoling others who are crying. Women, weep not for me. You know, you are on the cross. You are still concerned about the welfare of Mary. Handing her over to John. Mother, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. You know, you're thinking how, you still have time to think how she would fend for herself when you go. Those are the kind of thoughts and meditations you will only have if you knew for a fact that three days after you'll be back. Come on, do you understand what I'm saying? But that's not where I'm even going. Then he now says, you will show me the path of life in your presence. Is what type of joy? Come on, what type of joy? Fullness of joy. And then he said, at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. You know, this text answers a question many of you have had since you were a child or since you were children, but you've never had the nerve to ask because you don't want to seem like a sinner. People are going to look at you funny if you ever dared to ask that question. I'm nice, so I'll answer it for you. But let me tell you the question first. And at least for once in your life, be honest if you've had that question before. Have you ever wondered, what if I go to heaven after all this, all the consecration and the celibacy and everything, all the the, the fervent devotion, and then 24 hours later, I'm bored. 
Don't lie. Don't lie. Don't lie. Don't lie. If, you, if it has crossed your mind before, raise your hand. Just small. Thank you for your honesty. It's okay. Don't worry. I'm, I'm not going to make you keep it up for long. You know, like, that at first you're excited. Yay! Heaven at last. Wow. I made it. Woo! Jesus, oh, you're wonderful. Then you say, holy, holy Lord, God Almighty, holy, holy, you know. Then by the 10,000th time, (laughs) some of you didn't raise your hand. The way you're laughing, I've caught you. Well, let me help you. He said, at your right hand is everlasting pleasure. Let me tell you, if your friend gave you this assurance, feel free to doubt. But if God says that, believe him. And I'm going to prove it to you. It's very simple. Everything you think you will miss on the earth, God created. And if he didn't create it, you wouldn't know what you were missing. You wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. So he did all those things just because he cares. Food could have been painful. (laughs) Eating could have been painful. That you need to eat to survive, but take this injection. Just imagine every meal was an injection. He didn't have to make it pleasurable, but he did because he cares. Sleep could have been painful. Think about all the things that we enjoy in this life. Sex for married people. Food, sleep, you know, and all of that. Let me tell you something. Have you ever tasted a meal and you felt, ah, there's God now. There's a God. Uh, (laughs) Have you ever tasted any dish and it ended any debate in your mind about the existence of God? Sometimes you just want to take a dish to a place where they are debating the existence of God. And I say, there's no God. You say, chop afan, chop afan. Open your mouth. Open your mouth. Did the Bible not say taste and see? (laughs) Because, you see, just the tongue alone is so complex. The same same tongue can taste sugar, can taste sour. You know, there are different types of taste that we would not have known if God didn't create. How How can you explain, you know, the sour taste of lemonade or lemon to someone? How can you explain it? If all they tasted was sugar. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let me tell you something. You think you don't like bitter things. But if God takes it away. It's horrible. One of my childhood traumas was watching my dad chew paracetamol. Painkiller. And I was not like, ew, what's that? He said, he said, it's not that bad. Just mumu me. Oh, God. Oh, God. I tried it. This is the worst part. Some part of it now stuck in the upper part of my teeth. Then, when I now tried to quickly rinse it with water, it was now dissolving this small, small. You know nothing? Hey, oh, Jesus Christ. I haven't recovered. I said it's a childhood trauma. You know, but, you see, when you just look at all 
the pleasures of this world. And you're like, God did that. God did that. Have you ever slept before? Yeah? And you woke up. Oh my God. It's, it's hard to explain. You know what I'm saying? Sleep. Sleep. Ah, it's hard to explain. <laughs> when you have much needed sleep in the right environment and you just woke up refreshed, lighter, better. God did that. And so when the, the same God tells you, I've got more. I've got more. That, that, that is small. That is the same God that looked at Adam and said, it is not good that man should be alone. He didn't know why, for Adam did not, he didn't read a book. Adam literally just slept, woke up and saw woman. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's the kind of God that we serve. Every single thing you think you would miss on the earth, he created it. And he was right. He knew we would like it and he was right. There's a unanimous agreement that sleep, food, and sex are good. Unanimous. And then the same God now tells you, at my right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. You see, let me tell you something. Believe him. Believe him. Let me show you another text that talks about this. Look at First Peter. First Peter chapter 1. We'll read verse 3 and 4. Quickly, please. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. First Peter 1, 3. Who according to his abundant mercy and has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Everybody loud as you can. Read verse 4 together. One to go. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and does not fade away reserved in heaven for you. Listen, let me tell you something. Has it ever happened to you that you wanted something really bad? And you got it. And 24 hours later, you were like, why did I bother? Has it happened to you before? That there was a phone you really wanted and you got it. And two days after, you were like, is that it? It's nice, but really, is that it? Because even good pleasures fade away. Some of you have seen it in relationship before. The same person that wanted to die for you, he will see you and be shaking. You'll be stammering. You now say yes. All of a sudden, why didn't you pick my call? I was busy, eh? Since when? In local parlance, it's called sea finish, you know? Really? You were busy, yeah? Really? That's what we are doing now. <laughs> I'm talking like them, okay? <laughs> Because sometimes, you see, natural pleasures, it, it's going to take intentionality for it not to fade away. But now, the treasure and inheritance that is waiting for you. Look at what he says. He says, it is incorruptible. Oh my God. Meaning, 
One zillion years, because it's in, in eternity, I'm just using time to try to describe it. One zillion years times, you won't see it in any way diminished from the first time. The first wonder will still be there. Incorruptible, undefiled, it will not fade away. So when the, when the Bible says that the elders around the throne of God without fail and without getting tired say holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. There is something they are saying. I assure you they are not foolish. God is that much a big deal. And he's telling you this inheritance that is waiting for you will not fade away. heavenly joy <laughs> oh my god the same god who created appetite is telling you i have something irresistible waiting for you something you will never be tired of even the most addictive things the, no matter what it is you, you will be tired but not this one not the right hand of God. Pleasures forevermore. So maybe God made pleasures on the earth to be limited to give us a hint about eternal pleasure. Come on, are you with me? <laughs> wow. What a life awaits us. Come on, say loud, amen. amen. But why? Why was it hard? To picture this, on one hand, maybe no one ever explained it to you. But on the other hand, the Bible tells us that there are things that fight us and make us unable to appreciate eternal treasures the way we are supposed to. The first is flesh. Can you say flesh? What is flesh? A lot of people don't know. They think it's their body. Your flesh is your unrenewed mind. That's what flesh is. Your unrenewed mind. It's a little more complex than that, but I don't want to go into that. And this is what the unrenewed mind tries to do for you. He tries to elevate the creature above the creator. The logic is so flawed. The fact that some people are enjoying some things that God created so much, they're like, oh my God, if the creator himself shows up, won't I miss the creature? That's, that's what you're doing. To say, won't I be bored in heaven? You are saying... I value the creature or the creation more than the creator. That's what the unrenewed mind, everything the devil tries to lure us with is borrowed. He never created anything. He never created anything. And he's trying to just bring, introduce a perversion in our understanding of how these things should be enjoyed. When God tells you how sex should be done, the right parameters for sex, it will look like he's the enemy. 
He's against pleasure. Meanwhile, he's the one who created it. And he created it for your enjoyment. And he tells you, this is how it should be done. When the Lord tells you how food should be enjoyed, he created it. When he tells you how sleep should be enjoyed, he created it. He's not the enemy. And so the devil is trying to borrow something that God created for your pleasure and trying to give you a picture that the God who created it somehow is not after your best interest and he just wants to limit you. And it's a weird logic when you think of it. And so the Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 5 from verse 16. It says, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the loss of the flesh. It says, for the flesh wars against the spirit. The spirit against the flesh. So now there's an internal war going on. And the flesh tries to douse your appreciation for spiritual things. You need to know this. You need to be conscious of it. Hallelujah. Because the natural spiritual man needs no motivation to appreciate the things of God. You need no motivation. If you are struggling, it's the flesh. And you need to know what is happening. Oh, all of this is leading somewhere, I assure you. The second thing is the God of this world. The Bible says, if anyone's eyes are blind, it's blind because the God of this world has blinded the eyes of them who believe not. Lest they see glory in the face of Jesus. So listen, the fact that some people look at spiritual things or the things of God and they don't see glory in it. They see your jumping and your shouting and your prayer life and they're just like, why are you jumping? Why are you shouting? The Bible is giving you the explanation. It says the God of this world has blinded their eyes. This applies to unbelievers though. He has blinded their eyes so that they have no appreciation for spiritual things. Come on, are you listening to this? So, I'm letting you know that it's an anomaly not to wait for the coming of Christ and cry Maranatha. Not to be enthusiastic about spiritual things. It's an anomaly. And even in your small devotional practices I mean I don't really understand it let me tell you this if you need motivation to learn about God something is wrong it's not normal it's not normal it's not normal it's not normal there is no higher science there is no greater knowledge there is no higher honor to learn about God. In fact, it's a privilege that the information is available. So I, I want you to know the fact that, you know, even to come to church, you're struggling. Read your Bible, you're struggling. Pray. You're, you, listen, your deliverance begins when you first identify that this is wrong. It's not normal. where it starts 
The Bible tells you, I'm sure it's not for, for anyone here. It says the God of this world has blinded. This is blindness. And sometimes we're more aware of physical shortcomings. When you see someone who is blind, you feel sorry for the person. Meanwhile, some people have a greater blindness. Like the guy in John chapter 9. Jesus said, this guy, <laughs> at least his spiritual eyes are not blind. He, he said, the Pharisees are even more blind. Therefore, their sin remains. There are a lot of people who are, who, who are physically impaired in their vision that are seen clearer than many other people. To hear the gospel and to respond to it accurately. That's sight, dear brothers and sisters. Come on, are you listening to me? And I dare say that's true sight. So you must exercise your spiritual senses because there are spiritual senses. You see, the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 16, I want to rush through this. The Bible tells us about the story of a man called the rich man and Lazarus. Lazarus was a poor man, so, but both of them died. I can preach a whole sermon on that. It doesn't matter your bank account. We're all living this earth one day. Even if you survive to 110 years old, you are still going. So that's a sermon on his own. Just the fact that the Bible tells us there was a rich man and a poor man and both of them died. That's a message. Amen, somebody. And then the rich man was in torment whilst the poor man went to Abraham's bosom. And the Bible says the rich man lifted his eyes and saw. So meaning beyond the earth realm there is sight. Come on, are you with me? So I'm talking about spiritual senses. He saw. He recognized Lazarus. That means there is, there, there is supernatural faculty. He recognized him. He said to Abraham, he could talk. I want water, he said. Meaning... There is a supernatural sense of thirst. Supernatural senses, they exist. And they have to be exercised. They have to be exercised. The part of you who is going to enjoy eternal pleasure at the right hand of God has to be exercised. And by the time you begin to exercise that inner man of the heart, you begin to cry Maranatha. Instead of wondering what heaven will be like, you begin to cry Maranatha, come quickly, Lord. Believe it or not, there are some people who just cannot wait. I was having a casual conversation with my wife, you know, just three days ago, just at night. And next thing I knew, I, I, I was in tears. And she said, why are you crying? And I said, honestly, sometimes I just imagine what it would be like eventually seeing Jesus. 
after years of serving him with my life, giving him my all, my energy, my thoughts, my, my, giving my entire life as an offering, then at the end, some people describe it as eternal, with light at the end. I don't really care. One way or another, I just enter into a new realm, and there, the object of my eternal affection, you know, just standing there. You know, so I'm trying to ask her, what would it be like when he calls my name? Have you thought about it? I don't know if it's just me. You know, you know, and he beckons to you to come. And then he hugs you. And, I, you know, what would he say? What will you do? What would you do? Some of you, you wish you can run back and do more for him because then you will realize nothing in this world comes close. Like, this is, this is the center of the universe. You, some of you will regret I was pursuing money at the expense of these men. And it might be an eternal regret. Wishing you could do more, but at that time, you won't be able to. You will have to live with the level of investment that you put in whilst on earth. This is your only chance. A time will come. You'll be telling him for eternity, I love you, I love you. I wish I had more time to prove that I do. You won't have it. This time you have is all you got. It's all you got. And so this is what the word of God says to you. In Colossians chapter 3, from verse 1. It says, if ye then be risen with Christ... Seek those things which are above where Christ is at the right hand of God. Verse 2 says, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. So, oh my God, meaning you can train your appetite. You can train your appetite. Come on, are you with me? Some of you, the person by your side now, the person you are married to, do you know how you got here? Let me tell you. Maybe you were walking together and you did a lot together. Or it was in school and you were doing assignments together, just reading together, you know. But there is something about attention that increases fondness. Come on, are you with me? And you became so close. And so you didn't want to be without each other. You, you, didn't pl- you didn't come together with a plan that, okay, well, we'll just be friends for a while, then we'll date and we'll just marry. You, know, you were just going on your own and Cupid shot your arrow. And that's why some of you, anybody you don't want to spend the rest of your life with, when you see that the friendship is crossing a particular level, you withdraw. Is that not true? Because attention increases fondness. The same thing applies to spiritual things. It says, set your affections on things above. You can do it. I'm telling you, your interest in prayer can improve. Don't, 
keep saying, I don't know why, I don't like to pray. You can set your affection. You, 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 you can set your affection. I don't like, I don't like to study the Bible. You can set your affection. Almost everything you enjoy, you didn't enjoy at first. Guys who play game, the first time you tried to play, you, you held a console to play FIFA. How was it? They gave you 10 0, maybe more, but you kept at it, did you not? When you were losing, did you enjoy it? But you kept at it. Some of you went to hide and started playing the computer so that you, you can at least collect your beating in peace and in private and build your confidence and come. But you kept at it. So it takes time to develop fondness, it takes time. The same way you must invest in spiritual things. Everyone who is vested in spiritual things, that's what they did. They got books. They came to church regularly. They listened to sermons regularly. You must create an environment of inspiration. Are you listening to me? Create an environment of inspiration. That's why when we tell you, you know, some songs are not evil, but they won't help you. You can't listen to this all the while and be wondering why your prayer life is where it is. So if you want to set your affection, you must control what you listen to. Guard your heart with diligence. You know what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4 verse 20? He says, my son, attend to my words. That word attend is, is, is the word used for waiters in a restaurant. Do you know how frustrating it is for you to be at a restaurant and no waiter comes to you to ask you what you want? You know how annoying that thing is, right? Now, so he devotes God too. He says, attend to my word. Be at the beck and call of the word of God. Attend to my word. Incline your ears to my saying. Attention. You exercise supernatural appetite, number one, by attention. Say attention. Number two, by consecration. Listen, it is not just what you improve, it is what you cut off. There are some things that have to go. There are some friends that you cannot keep and grow spiritually. It will not work. You have tried it before. And when you say things like this, some people say, ah, Jesus was a friend of sinners. Okay, well done. You don't know the difference between having an acquaintance and being a friend. And for God's sake, at least start forming Jesus when you have that level of discipline. Not every one of us is there. Listen, when I first got born again, oh my God, please don't quote me. I'm just telling you personally, for the first two years, I didn't put on a television. I'm not saying it's wrong. But you see, the way I had damaged my mind in the world, I needed time. <laughs> I just needed time to correct. You know the level of investment it takes. And I'm telling you from my heart, Jesus is worth it. Are you listening to me? Oh my God, he's worth it. He's worth it. 
Do not deceive yourself. Evil communication corrupts good manners. That's the word of the Lord to you. Stop joking about it. Stop excusing it. Come out from amongst them and be ye separate, says the Lord. You're going to have to change your friends. Friendship is one of the easiest ways to set your affection. When you have friends that pray, oh, I, oh my God. If you want to build a prayer life, have friends that pray. When you have friends that study, I've watched it so many times in the house. When I'm praying, my wife will pray too. When she's praying, I will pray too. Hey, sometimes it might not even be there. I just see her praying, and as I'm going, I don't want to, I leave, literally leave because I don't want to disturb her. And the final thing I want to talk about, if I have to give this sermon a title, by the way, I will call it Oil of Gladness. This is part one. So we'll do part two in the evening. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I give myself away. I give myself away so you I give myself away so you can use me sing it one more time say Hallelujah. Do you know the last way to exercise your appetite is by faith? You know, Kenneth Hagin of blessed memory, he would always say this. He said, you start in the flesh and you wind up in the spirit. Faith. Listen, you can command your desires. Just like David said, just picture David talking, talking to himself. And saying, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Now, he's not talking to the person by his side. He's talking to himself. So some days my soul will not feel like blessing the Lord. And so I'm going to preach a sermon to my soul. Come on, are you listening to me? I'm going to preach a sermon to my soul. Command my soul with the word of God and say, bless the Lord. I'm going to give myself evidence. Have you forgotten? He heals all your diseases. Remember that day. This happened. Remember that day. This happened to mommy. He heals all your diseases. He says, as the east is far from the west, he takes your iniquity far from you. He's giving his soul reasons to bless the Lord. Forget not his benefits. Oh, God has been good to me. I, I remember. I choose to remember. Good days and bad days. Sometimes I'm just alive and I need no motivation and sometimes I need to preach a sermon to my soul. And I'm going to exercise myself. Come on, are you with me? Some days I'm praying and I'm floating. Some other days I'm praying and it seems like I'm going to die. But I'm going to keep at it. Come on, are you with me? Because the Bible gives me an assurance. 
He's a rewarder. Come on, are you with me? He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Some of us are suffering from a fruit of the flesh called lasciviousness. We, we think we have to feel everything and that's a sin. Sometimes you hold on to the word of God. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And sometimes, guess what? I put a stopwatch. I'm going to pray until I hear that alarm ring. Sometimes I need that myself. Some other days, even from my sleep, I'm going, you know. And some other days, I just wake up and I'm like, waiting with this. And the prayer is just, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and I just pray and it's just hard. Keep at it. Keep at it. He's a rewarder. Come on, are you with me? He's a rewarder. And that's why sometimes when we gather like this, we try to get you to do some things because it helps you. When we say shout glory, sometimes you don't feel like shouting, but it helps you. It loosens you up. It loosens you up. Learn to rejoice in the God of your salvation. Let you Listen, it, it's an exercise. An exercise. An exercise. An exercise. That's what association is for. The Bible says we should provoke each other to good works. Sometimes in this church we shout and it pisses you off. That's what it's about. We're trying to provoke you. We won't make you provoke. Hallelujah. Please provoke someone. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's not provocative enough. Come on, rejoice. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet, everybody. Hallelujah. So listen. 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 This is the rule of the supernatural. When God, when you see Jesus walk on water and he says, join me. You're going to have to stand up in the boat. You're going to have to walk to the edge of the boat. And all of that is not supernatural. So in a sense, you start in the flesh and you wind up in the supernatural. That's what you do. So on days when you don't feel like it, you must learn to command your desire. That's why we shout the way we shout. That's why we jump the way we jump. And sometimes you think we have it all figured out all the time. Maybe not. We have our struggles too. The Bible says we don't even have a high priest who wasn't touched by the feelings of our infirmities. He was at all point tempted as we are, yet without sin. Listen, every single person we see who is doing better at spiritual things, they are doing better because they tried. Come on, are you with me? I want to give you few minutes losing up your spirit just listen listen first things first you're going to believe from your heart that God is not far God is not far before you lift up your voice you see the Bible says he that comes to the father must believe that he is and is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him 
So it helps your prayer to know that the person to whom you're talking answers. Do you understand what I'm saying? You, you are not far from God. You are close. Do you believe that? So, I want you to forget all the struggles you've had before. And as someone who is as close to God as pastor or any other person, lift your hands and worship him from your heart. I'm, I'm giving you a few minutes. Do it from your spirit. Do it like no one is by your side. Do it from your heart. 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 Do it up. Do it from your heart. put up Acts 17 27 as fast as possible. Acts 17 27. Acts 17 27. It says that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him. Feel after. Oh my God. Sometimes God lures us so that we can respond better to feel after him. So that we can seek him more. The goal of this first session, the Lord told me there will be a miracle called oil of gladness. Let me tell you something. Where you just like God more than ever before. In a way that people around you can notice. Ah, this guy, this girl is more serious with the things of God now. It's both an effort and a miracle. And I'm telling you, that oil is resting on someone where you had been struggling in your walk with God, an oil, an anointing of ease is coming on you. All I want you to do right now is thank him for it. 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 A new vibrance in your walk with the Lord. A responsive heart. A heart responsive to the Lord. Your heart is not hardened. Responsive. Responsive. You are living this place with a deeper sense of connection to the Lord. A deeper sense. 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 In Jesus, my name. Let me tell you what this oil is going to do. You know, part of the prophecies about the Messiah was this. He says, and my people 
shall be willing in the day of his power. The power of God will make you willing. You will start praying willingly. You will be shocked. You that they've been forcing, you will evangelize willingly. You will be shocked. His power will make you willing. You that they have been asking you to forgive and you have not, you will forgive willingly. Hallelujah. Relationships that have been suffering will be restored willingly. Listen, he says, and my people shall be willing in the day of his power. You will serve God with gladness of heart. Hallelujah. Are you ready to take an, a step of faith now? For 20 full seconds, I want you to rejoice in the Lord. 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 Worship him right now. Give him the praise. Worship him. Sing him a song right now. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.